Happy Pride Month and a happy History Hump Day to all of you, my dear listeners. I'm sitting here with a nice warm cup of matcha and it has already made me a little more awake. This is A History Most Queer, a podcast where we explore and uncover the queer elements that are present all over the world's history and cultures. I'm your host, Julian Rushbrook, And today, I would like to continue honoring Caribbean queer heritage by looking at one of the most iconic, but likewise most misrepresented and misunderstood aspects of culture in that area. That would be the religious traditions of voodoo, hoodoo, or voodoo, as all of you may more commonly know it. Voodoo is from Haiti. Hoodoo is located in the southern United States. And voodoo, or New Orleans voodoo, is centralized more in Louisiana. These three cultures are connected and share many common aspects. Likewise, Santeria has some influences in some of these. For this episode, I thought it would be best to keep our focus more on Haitian voodoo. As I said before, there are connections with the other groups, so it would not be surprising to find shared terminology, spirits and other deities, as well as customs. The history behind Vodou and how it formed is far more interesting than the more mainstream Hollywoody representation of the faith. Often Vodou is portrayed as demonic, a religion dominated by evil witch priests and priestesses who use their dark powers to enslave their enemies, curse those who offend them, or even bring back to life the dead to serve as their servants and mindless killing machines. Can you hear the beating drums in the distance? Is the voodoo queen preparing a sacrifice to her dark gods? There sure is a lot of the word dark in here. Um, We will unpack that a little bit later. What is the sacrifice? Well, it's a young blonde white woman, of course. Yeah, this frankly racist trope has appeared in films as early as the film White Zombie in 1932. It starred... Bela Lugosi, the man who more famously portrayed Count Dracula in Universal Pictures' film of the same name, Dracula, that was released the year before in 1931. In the film, Lugosi plays the voodoo witch doctor, Murder Legendre. Yes, the guy's first name was Murder. I suppose that the audiences of this time would have needed this extra cue that this guy was in fact the villain. The creepy makeup, bizarre facial hair, that 
That apparently was not nearly enough. They needed to name the villain Murder. I mean, anyhow, um, it's a bizarre film with questionable acting. Um, it is interesting that the film does feature actual black people playing Haitians. I mean, it was not too terribly long before that the first blockbuster film, Birth of a Nation, debuted that feature all sorts of white actors in blackface and other such nonsense. So at least some black folks got an acting job, even if their parts were small. So what does all of this have to do with queer history and culture, you may be asking yourself. I mean, I keep going on about blackface and Dracula, but the mention of anything queer has yet to happen. Well, it is coming. As Vodou in Haiti is a very queer-friendly religion, even having spirits that are themselves LGBTQIA+. It should come as no surprise that the recently deceased Pat Robertson, a world-famous bigot whose hatred knew few boundaries, or for that matter, tact, was convinced that the 2010 Haitian earthquake that devastated the island nation was caused because of queers and the demonic, dark religion of Vodou. That word, dark, is barely a dog whistle for black in this case. I guess, according to Pat, God is not a fan of these nations of mostly black people. But he's not racist. Not at all. Nope. Nuh-uh. Haiti, like every nation, has other religions within its borders, and many of those people reacted violently after the earthquake. I am sure in no small part due to people like Pat and others parodying his vicious, mindless word vomit. Followers of Vodou, as well as queer people, were threatened and sometimes attacked as they were being blamed for the tragedy. It should, I think, be pointed out that it is curious that Vodou and gays were blamed for that earthquake, but not the dozens of others before it. With all of these, most people seemed to attribute the seismic activity to the fact that the island sits on a fault line. Then again, it should come as no surprise that reactionary elements would look toward bizarre conspiracies to explain the world, as they have identified science and scientists as agents of evil. Anyhow, enough of that rant, on to the history and culture. Vodou has its origin in West and Central Africa, among the Yoruba, Thon, and Congo cultures. When European slave traders started their bloody business, the belief systems of these ethnic groups followed them across the cold waters of the Atlantic. These enslaved people now found themselves in a foreign land amongst people who neither looked like nor spoke like anyone they were familiar with. It's no surprise, then, that they would look back to their ancestral beliefs that they had in their hearts and minds. Like any religion, Vodou is not a static copy of that which was originally from what's now Nigeria, Togo, and Benin. 
due to the enslaved people being from different groups and faiths, a mixture formed. Aspects of African Muslim traditions and Catholicism blended with the other beliefs that were likewise brought in chains to the New World. The blending of these people created a fascinating new system of beliefs that has offered wisdom and comfort to the people of Haiti. For much of the rest of the Eurocentric globe, such as the United States and Europe, the belief system was equated with rebellion and the occult. Much of that has to do with Haiti being a nation of people who threw off the shackles of slavery and expelled their French masters in a revolution that gave hope to the African diaspora and sent chills down the spines of white majority nations. That's probably the real reason why films, television, and fictional literature often mischaracterize the customs and traditions of Vodou. Revolutionary black people who mobilized a military force against one of Europe's superpowers, and won in that revolt, could only be attributed to satanic forces. After all, how else could these people have defeated their white masters? Were not white folks God's gift to the world? I'm sure a lot of you can hear the sound of billiard balls, but fear not, those are just the sounds of my eyes rolling in the back of my head. So what is the actual tea regarding the faith? Well, I think I have some answers that are based on actual facts about voodoo and not the overblown fears of many 19th and frankly 20th and 21st century white people. The religion is one that relies on oral transmission of culture. Recently, there have been written books that document various aspects of the faith, and that has helped to keep traditions alive. But even then, it is through apprenticing and the passing down of stories orally that kept the voodoo ways going for centuries. All right. Now, I do want to sort of step in here and give a little bit of a maybe apology it's not really a disclaimer but it's it's more of an apology so a lot of the pronunciations of these voodoo uh, figures um, are French but I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly uh, I tend to sort of veer more towards sort of a Parisian type accent so I don't know if I'm doing it right so I apologize if I absolutely murder the names of some of these people. Let's continue. So, Vodou does have a central deity, Grand or Bondi, which comes from the French Bon Dieu, or Good God. Similarly to Judaism, uh, Islam, and Christianity, Vodou is a monotheistic faith. Grand is very much removed from the earthly, and so, in order for, human, for humans to commune with the Creator, there are some interesting spirits known as the Lois. They are the focus of most of the Vodou traditions, as it is these spirits that have the greatest impact in the lives of everyday human beings. The Lois are beings that can commune with humans, and they do so through a variety of means. 
One of the first is that they call people to become ungan or mambo, male or female priests. If someone is called to the priesthood and refuses, it can anger the Loa, and that does not bode well for the priest to be at all. Vodou is a religion that has various initiation rites. One does not simply join a community and start right in on the traditional forms of worship. There are steps to follow that with each ritual move someone further along and reveals more and more secrets of the faith. Becoming a priest can be pretty costly, and apprentices will often save up for years to purchase the necessary supplies, as well as land on which to build a new temple for them to practice from. If they're able to make it through the various steps to completion, the community will see this new priest as having great powers, including the ability to have visions of the future and of events happening at great distances. One fascinating aspect of the Loa is that their images are often displayed on altars in the temples. And these images are often of Catholic saints. Again, this was a, a culture of a lot of blending. The native West and Central African cultures blended with a lot of the cultural aspects of their French masters. And so you ended up with saints from Catholicism being associated with Vaudou Lois based upon association. The Lois associated with each image are not, of course, actually the saints in question, but they share aspects with these saints. For example, Moses would be associated with Dambala. The reasoning for this is that Moses has a staff that turns into a snake. Dambala is often portrayed as a white or black snake. He is actually the husband of one of the subjects in today's episode. The Loa can also possess or inhabit the bodies of the temple's congregation. This is another way in which the beings are able to communicate with and through humans. The Loa that we can really focus on for their queer sensibilities are Gedenibo, Baron Samdi, Baron Lundis, and Baron Limba, Erzuli Freda, and Erzuli Dantor. Now, there are over a thousand Loa, and apparently only a little over 200 of them have names that are known. So it's very possible that there may be even more queer Loa out there. They just need to speak up and tell humans their names and their stories. Ged Nebo is a Loa who used to be a human man, but was murdered violently. Pity was taken on him by the husband and wife duo of Baron Samdi and Maman Brigitte. They adopted him and he became a Loa like them. Now if you've been taking notes, then you will remember that Baron Samdi is also on this list, so, so keep him in mind. Nebo became the patron of those who died early in life, which he himself did as well. Likewise, he's a healing spirit who is good-natured. He's very effeminate, and is often represented smoking a cigar 
and dressed in a long black coat. He also adores the color purple, and so that color is often associated with him. He has a soft spot for lesbians and is, like his father, often portrayed in drag. Farmers in Haiti, until relatively recently, used to perform a dance in November in honor of Nebo. There were a lot of pelvic thrusts and other erotic dance moves to honor this spirit, who is an attractive man who has a spiritual eye for other attractive men. The saint that's often used to visualize this loi is Saint Gerard uh, Magellan. He was an 18th century monk who did not seem to dress in drag or smoke cigars. It's a pity, although there are some saints that were trans, but that is another subject for another time. In popular media, the character of Dr. Fissilier in uh, Disney's The Princess and the Frog is based on the spirit. Nebo can be a little crude, actually much like his father, who is our next subject. Now, Baron Samdi is also one who has some queer tendencies. It is not much of a surprise that this top hat wearing spirit of the dead would have taken Nebo under his wing, as Baron Samdi has some serious style. I mean, I mentioned the top hat, right? Samdi is rather bisexual and a bit of a dandy, much like his son Nebo. He's also been known to play around with gender further, sometimes wearing heels with his top hat, and can often be seen as a transgender spirit. Either way, this law is extremely important, as it is he that will dig your grave and welcome you into the afterlife. If you find yourself ill and it's looking pretty dire, it's up to him whether or not you go. If Samdi does not think that you should die, he won't dig your grave. Also, when you do die, he's the spirit that sees to it that your body decomposes in said grave. We all hope that this happens, because if not, it's possible that some ne'er-do-well might try to turn your corpse into a zombie to spend all of eternity serving them. So, it behooves all of us to maybe have a bit of rum on hand for this one if he comes by to visit, as he might save both your life and your death. I do wonder, though, how did Baron Samdi handle meeting Pat Robertson? I'm sure it came as quite a shock to Pat that he was greeted after death by a gaunt black man with a keen eye to fashion. Samdi is often portrayed as skeletal with a black top hat and wearing dark glasses, and sometimes has a skull painted on his face. Part of me hopes that this scenario actually happened to dear old Pat. If you have seen American Horror Story Coven, then you saw a representation of Samdi. For some uh, curious reason, they named him Papa Legba, who's a different spirit. But in appearance and how he behaves, that man with the skull face paint was Baron Samdi. He's probably the most recognizable of the Loire all around the world. 
you may want to have some hot peppers on standby. As his wife, Maman Brigitte is fond of a bit of spice with her rum. Together, this power couple are the guardians of history and heritage, so that makes them very important to this podcast. Samedi is a benevolent spirit, but he's not exactly the most well-behaved. He loves rum and tobacco, and has a penchant for anal sex. He will not have any problem letting you know about that either, as he's pretty obscene with his language, swearing with every other word, and being just generally naughty. He sounds like a good time, actually. Who out there doesn't like a bit of rum and debauchery? The next law that I want to look at are themselves a couple. Uh, Baron Lundy and Baron Limba, and they're a gay male power couple in the spirit realm. While the past few Loire were on the more effeminate side, these two were probably, if they had a grinder, they'd be writing down that they were definitely mask for mask. These two spirits started a men's only school of mud wrestling for reasons. They claim that the homoerotic wrestling is useful for increasing magical powers. Did I just hear a bunch of queer men out there grabbing a paper and pencil to draw up their ideas for a similar school of gay magical wrestling? I'm not sure. Alright, so our next uh, loi is Erzuli Freda. This loi is a spirit that embodies love, beauty, luxury, and jewels. If you look at her hands, you will see three different wedding rings. And that is because she has three husbands. Agwe, who rules over the sea and looks out for fishermen and sailors. Dambala, who is the spirit who rules over the sky and created life itself. And Ogun, who's associated with war, hunting, and blacksmiths. But enough about her husbands. Let's focus on our spirit of luxury. If you want to curry favor with her, it's best to give her a gift of perfume or liquor, but not the cheap stuff. She's a little bit spoiled, so go for the top shelf stuff. She typically likes to possess women and gay men, as they just seem to vibe with her more. It's interesting that this is the case, as she's often represented with Mater Dolorosa, which is the Virgin Mary, but it specifically displays her as Our Lady of Sorrows. So, she was always looking sad. When she possesses a man, her tendencies to be flirtatious is always directed to other men. So, if you allow the spirit to take you over, don't be surprised at what she gets up to. For this reason, she is a protector of gay men. She loves to flirt and seduce people regardless of gender. I mean, she has three, three husbands, so this really should come as no surprise. She can never seem to get her heart's desire, so at the end of ceremony, she often runs away in tears. I won't say that she's extra, but... So on to another spirit. Freda Dantor, uh, which is actually another aspect of the previous one. Now, this loi is almost a polar opposite of the one we just spoke about. 
she is strong, often having Amazonian-type qualities about her. She has a lot of love for lesbians, so I'm thinking something like the women on that island in Wonder Woman. She's a ferocious uh, protector spirit, looking after the people on the margins of society, as well as women and children. She's less concerned with luxury, and more interested in protection and passing on knowledge that can be shared for generations. In art, she's often represented similarly to the Virgin Mary with child. One clear difference is that this mother carries a dagger, ready to seek revenge on any who hurt those under her protection. Likewise, this virgin is black rather than of European descent, which is strange as Mary was supposed to be from the Middle East. Anyhow, if you find yourself being inhabited by this spirit, she's likely to do so if you're a woman and will be attracted to other women. So, I think that concludes this little brief journey into a fascinating and often misunderstood religion. Have any of these spirits captured your attention? I know that I find all of them to be interesting glimpses into a faith system that is not particularly concerned with what people do romantically or sexually, but rather are concerned with humans being good, just, just and kind. Well, and maybe a little bit naughty. Come visit uh, the Instagram at HistoryMostQueer for some fun images I was able to find of these spirits. With it being a relatively new religion in the grand scheme of things, a lot of the imagery is far more contemporary. I find that interesting as it gives people a lot of freedom to represent these beings. Most images of Jesus, for example, have him dressed in clothing that is vaguely first-century Roman occupied Judea realness. It would be strange to see him in a top coat, sunglasses, and a nice frock. I'm personally here for it, though. Baron Samdi's style is amazingly fun, and I think everyone needs to get themselves acquainted with this Loire. If you want to send us a message, you can via email to ahistorymostqueer at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Let me know, did I completely butcher the pronunciation on some of these uh, interesting subjects? Well, I think that it is time to end this episode now. I hope all of you have a lovely remainder to your week and are enjoying the month of June and all of the pride-related activities that are happening. Do be safe out there, as there have been all sorts of news stories about Proud Boys and other groups protesting and intimidating people regarding Pride events. Don't let them get to you, as all of that hatred that they're expressing towards our community is just a clear sign of deep self-hatred in them. So again, be safe, and I look forward to seeing all of you next Wednesday everyone's favorite history hump day. Well, mine at least. See ya!